Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. The baseball season is winding down, but we're about to have the two biggest months of the regular season. So you're definitely going to be wanting tickets. If your team's in, con- in, in contention, you might be making a decision kind of at the last minute. You know what? It's Tuesday night. Let's go ahead and go. You jump on SeatGeek. And you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices, even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying, as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's 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 kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Sleeper in the Bust. It's Friday, August 19th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Paul Costava again, back to back. What's going on, Paul? I'm an idiot. I joined my fifth fantasy football league, dude. What Paul. am I thinking? What Paul. am I doing? Paul. I Paul, know. You would, you'd be proud of me, man. I've been saying no. I've said no three times to leagues that I would normally say yes to. Like It's, it's groups of people I would, would have fun playing fantasy football with. But can't do it, though. We always talk about how we have... You know, for us, we'll play any fantasy baseball league. You want to play an errors-only league, <laughs> AL Central, guys can't have an S in their name, I'm in. That's a dope league, by the way. $1,000 entry fee, I'm winning it this year. 25 uh, team? Yeah, yeah. And it's oh, it's tough, though. It's tough, though, because you're like, oh, man, he has an S at the very end of his name. If his name just was Sander instead of Standers, it'd be it'd be great. Actually, no, it wouldn't because S at the very beginning. I'm a stupid Anibal idiot. Anchez would be awesome. Anibal know? Anchez would be perfect. Instead, yeah. nothing. Um, but with football, we both have had our, our football fandom wane a bit. We both still like football. We're not going to sit here and pretend you're a diehard Jets fan. I'm a diehard Lions fan. We're probably not at the same level we used to be, and we certainly not aren't there with fantasy football, where we'll take on anything. So, man, I thought we were brothers in arms here, and, and you've you've caved. You didn't call your sponsor. You should have called me the second somebody asked you. Paul I'm here, and he just asked me to join a league. It's a ten team. They're all so stupid. It's easy money. I swear I can win this league. Paul, tell them no. It's a, Paul, it's an auction league with like escalating salaries at the end of it. Like oh there's all God. these like intriguing little side things on it. It's my old roommate, not uh, Patty Piff, um, my other one. Lance? 
Meaton, the one before uh, Pat. And, you know, they have guys I kind of know in it, guys who are into fan graphs. So, you know, I'm I'm intrigued by it. But I've already talked trash to them. Like, I'm not going to say what I said to them on this, like, what is it called? What? What app or something like that? Or what me? What WhatsApp? Are they, is it WhatsApp? WhatsApp they're on. And okay. I just, not even profanity lace, just more content, really bad content. Just, I just obliterated right them. At, yeah. Just obliterated them. And no one's responded to me. And I'm like, look, if I'm going to join a fifth league, I need some guys to respond to this nonsense that I'm throwing at them. They're too busy strategizing. It sounds like you're in an intricate league here. You should have joined the one I was describing, the one like a 10-teamer where you think you can crush everyone because they sound like dopes or whatever. They're the ones who are going to be in it for the trash talk. It sounds like you got yourself into some shark-infested waters. So not only did you join another league, but it's going to be difficult to win. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's it's that I have, I think, four four of my drafts are from September 1st to September 4th. That'll be a fun time, though. Like that, those will be a, those will be a kick butt. Yeah, all I gotta there. do is research before September first and kind of have things on lock. Keep in mind, and they'll just carry over for that whole weekend. Keep in mind, that's like eleven days away. I know. I don't even like. Yeah, I don't know depth charts. I gotta. I should do that probably this weekend. Yeah, because it's gonna smack you in the face. I've done nothing. Uh, my Sirius XM spot this week, they they asked, you know, they said that they've been kind of switching over to football, and they asked if I wanted to still come on and talk football. I said, no, I would embarrass myself and, and you guys um, you know, by being tabbed as a guest. I have done nothing yet. I will do it. It's a fun couple of, couple of nights um, around this time each year where, where I dive in. But, man, baseball just keeps my attention. It absolutely keeps my attention pretty easily. I would watch this Oakland White Sox game if, if like the Tigers were rain delayed and you and I weren't podcasting. I, I am a diehard through and through. And we got some stuff to talk about, Paul. And yes, we do. We're also going to dive in on the AL Cy Young, similarly to how we did with the NL MVP, just to kind of use it as a springboard to talk about some of the interesting players who've popped up in that debate. And then we each have a gamble starting pitcher the rest of the way that not jumping off the page in terms of their bottom line numbers, but they're on 50% or fe- – actually, I think I said 40% or fewer rosters at Yahoo right now, which tells you they're available in mixed leagues, but maybe not some of your deeper leagues and definitely not your only leagues. But we think that they could have a big impact down the line. So we'll get into that. But first, a little bit of news. Injury. This one's got you twisted, I'm sure. Steven Matz scratched shoulder. Doesn't he already have the elbow chips? He has the bone. This is – he's – I mean, it's official. I don't know if it was official before this or not. He's injury prone. That's his thing. He's always yeah, going to be hurt. That's... I think it was official before because the reason that – you know, I don't want to – I'm very reluctant to call him a, uh, a late bloomer because it, he, it, it, I think it's unfair – Mark to say that a 24 year old is a late bloomer just because we keep calling guys up at like 16 these days. But, um, he, he probably would have been to the majors quicker. Steven Matz would have based on his excellent performance. If he hadn't been slowed by injuries, he continued to perform, but would always get slowed by injuries and then finally found some health. And obviously we've seen what's happened at the major leagues, but even in the midst of this year, He's pitching very well. Imagine if he was fully healthy, Paul. He wouldn't be looking like one of those full-on aces. The fact is, he's been really good despite these Knicks. Scratch with the shoulder in addition to the bone spurs he already had, though. I'm nervous on Steven Matz. How are you approaching this in your uh, your mixed leagues? In my mixed leagues, now 
you're you're waiting to hear what they're going to do DL wise, and the Mets are notorious for being one of the worst at putting guys on too late or yeah. not putting them on at all. They they have a really bad track record of that. The numbers are the numbers are really good, but down the stretch, this is not a centerpiece. Even though the strikeout numbers, the ERA, uh, and and something you you're always concerned about with Stephen Matz is even though the numbers kind of come out really even keeled. His performances are nothing but even keeled. Well, he'll so have can... a string of really good starts, and then he'll have that implosion start that you don't know where eight runs came from. And that can hurt you in head-to-head, right? So that's almost like a format-based sort of thing where if you're coming down the stretch here and you're, you're hoping, obviously, to get some of those gem starts. Like, in fact, his last start, that's what makes it tough to see him get scratched. Again, we, we talked about this yesterday with, with injuries. We always assume when they're out there, they're 100%. And if they're beasting, we definitely assume they're 100%. He goes one hit, uh, seven and a third shutout innings against the Padres last time out. I know it's the Padres, but still, that's dominant. And then he gets scratched. So that really twists your head with Mats. But to your point... His August 3rd start was six innings, six runs. So it's that high risk, high reward that you could really get burned in head to head. Whereas in Roto, you know, maybe I still just kind of leave them in, take my risks when they're starting mats. I'm going to go ahead and start them as well because the upside's there and he has kind of, you know, gone guardrail to guardrail, but eventually gotten to this solid line of 340 in 132 and a third innings. I don't think I've seen a. a a manager so happy to see a hit ha- occur oh. against his pitcher oh. than last week. But now this begs the question, and, and I don't think he left him in too long either. He didn't hit that threshold yet, but did last week's start have anything to do with it? What would have Pushing happened him. if he, the shoulder injury would have came up and he did throw the no-no or he did go to eight oh, innings? That would have been now crazy. Now you would have gotten lambasted. Like, that's just – there's no hitters, as much as, like, they're really fun and they're a great accomplishment – there's only a few guys that I want to see actually throwing. Like, a, a Scherzer's okay by me. He He's shown that he's durable. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of guys I'm not into them throwing no hitters anymore just well, Paul, because of the length of the start. Paul, I think the real question is you talk about the start against San Diego. The start before that, he threw 120 pitches in six innings. And I think the data has shown that it's not the immediate game after. It is the, 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 the two or three starts down the road. Where a big a big under duress situation will, will eventually get to you, and you know, it's hard. I didn't see the start. You might have uh, against Arizona, but it's you, you're gonna have a hard time convincing me that you go 120 pitches in six innings and you didn't have any duress. Now he didn't have the dreaded 30 pitch inning. That's kind of the the marker where it's really bad. But he opened with 28. He had 22, a 21, and he closed with a 23 in the sixth inning. So maybe it was the buck 20 for Mats on August 9th that uh, you know didn't necessarily get him that next start, but now has caused trouble as he tries to make his second start away from that, and again has him scratch. Right now we're not talking DL, so he could you know he could start in a couple days. Sometimes these scratches are ri- literally just a day or two. Uh, they needed that extra day or two, and then they're back ready to go. So we could be making a mountain out of a molehill. But he's had so many little things that I, I'm worried about, Matt. I'm definitely worried just because of the history. And now – and we always talk about – or people talk about where these pitch counts are very arbitrary except on an individualized level. Mm-hmm. You know, like Pedro back in the playoffs, Pedro Martinez back in the day, they kind of knew at what was it, 100 pitches he's done. Yeah, right around 99-100. He, 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 he's he done. Wall. 
And Matt's, I don't know what evidence has shown them that you should keep him in for 110, 120. Do you want to try to stretch him out or not? But he's based on his durability issues, he's a guy that I would treat at 100, done. And that's what I, I really appreciate Girardi. Um, he has probably one of the quickest hooks, but a consistent quick hook. And, you know, he's, he's erring on the side of caution. And when you have that bullpen, you can afford to as well. True. You know? so Absolutely. That, that definitely helps. Yeah, when you have that kind of bullpen. But it's not like they have I, – I would feel more comfortable with Girardi's philosophy if he had at least one or two workhorses to give the bullpen a little bit of a, I agree. a breather. He Adam has no Warren, workhorse on the staff. Adam Warren um, – could maybe be that guy where a couple every every couple days he he should go two three innings to give the rest of the bullpen a breather. So he's not that workhorse starter that you're talking about, but he could almost you know, he'd be that bridge where you give your Batances and um well now it's now it's like Batances and and Chasen Shreve or Tyler Clippert I guess. But when it would when it was the stud three headed monster there, maybe they overworked them a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't want to get into that whole thing because I actually yeah. think that relievers should be pitching more. But either way, a um, little, bit, little bit of caution with Steven Matz. Wait till you hear any news, though, to do anything. All right, Paul, I kind of did a little sandwich here. The, the, the two pieces of bread are the bad injury news, and then in the middle, the meat is a nice little call-up here. And that's Jeff Hoffman for Colorado, which is, uh, you know, it's it's – not really good news, bad news, but it's like a bittersweet thing because he is a top prospect. And if you're a prospect, maybe you kind of get psyched anytime any prospect comes up. And he's definitely a big guy uh, for Colorado, but it's for Colorado. And so, you know, I, I'm a little bit torn. We've seen guys have some success there. And to Jeff Hoffman's credit, 402 ERA and 118 and two thirds innings at Albuquerque and the PCL, that's pretty impressive. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we could have a little something here. Jeff Hoffman in Colorado, Paul, assess. So, and based on, I'm looking at a scouting report from the minor league analyst uh, coming into this season. He was a 9D, which okay. for those of you who are not familiar with that scale, that means the 9 is kind of the ceiling. So not a 9 out of 10 is a really good ceiling. That's like just short of a Hall of Famer. That's a regular all-star. The D is kind of the, so A is certain. It's like they're certainly going to hit that range. Yeah. D is a little more risky, where the D confidence. is the riskiest. D is more of like a 20, 30% that you'll hit that ceiling. But he's a, a, a great fastball, you know, sits between 91 and 96. Curveball sits at 80, 82. So coming into the season, his fastball and curveball were given four pluses. Um, a slider and a changeup that are usable, but definitely a nice profile. It's just a great question mark of, is it going to translate to Colorado? Is he going to transcend um, those difficulties that pitchers have pitching Absolutely. in Colorado? And that's, which is always a big question mark. That's what we don't know, and that's why he'll be a risk. But at the same time, he'll be you know a little bit cheaper than most prospects are when they come up. And to that end... You know, maybe you take a gamble here. We are we are down to the the final stretch. It's you know we got about a quarter of the season left. The actual quarter pole, by the way, not when mm. uh, people are out there calling it the quarter pole. A, a quarter of way into the season, that's a uh, horse racing thing. Anyway, we are we are <laughs> there. You know, we we're we're on the home stretch here, and you're looking for different things. Projections can help, but for the most part, you don't want to get too hung up on them because we are gonna. It's just gonna be a volatile period. And obviously, any period is volatile, but when you're looking at projections from May on, you're obviously dealing with a large sample size. Obviously, you guys all get that. We're talking about six weeks, just a sprint to the finish here. 
I would take a shot. He has a big strikeout capability, Jeff Hoffman, 9.4 in AAA this year. His first real big showing of strikeouts in the minors. Of course, he only pitched last year. That was his first year uh, as a pro because he had Tommy John coming in, and he only had 6.5, but he was coming off of Tommy John. And he always had, you know, swing and miss stuff, power stuff. That's what got him drafted ninth overall um, out of East Carolina University. So I believe in the strikeouts for Hoffman. I believe that he has the swing and miss stuff. That's obviously what you need in Colorado. You cannot be going for a lot of contact. It's just going to leave you in, 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 in tons of trouble. So, you know, I'm kind of intrigued. Like I said, we have seen some guys have some success out there. I think he kind of profiles a little bit uh, in the John Gray mold with regards to having a big fastball, nice breaker. Uh, command can be a little bit wonky. Let's let, you know, let's kind of see how that progresses. And we saw John Gray take a little while to really get his footing under him. So, you know, it's a low proposition, uh, uh, you know, low potential hit with Jeff Hoffman coming up to really dominate. But I would take a gamble, Paul, and, and maybe let those first starter two go. And then, you know, if you're protecting ERA and whip, obviously you can't do it. But if you're more in Hail Mary mode, and right now you're just accumulating counting numbers, and you're saying if I can get lucky on the ratios, that'll work. I'm in a situation like that in the league right now. That's why I bring it up, where, you know, my ERA and whip, it's going to be tough to really move them. But if I got going, uh, then then I would have a shot. So I, I'm going to take a shot on a guy like this. And that that's a 16-team mixed league. So, you know, still pretty deep, too. Jeff Hoffman, so go ahead. So I was going to say the thing, the only concern I have is now if you're if you're building for next year, you got to pick him up. If you're done with the season, you got to oh, pick yeah. him up as a as a keeper. There's no doubt about that. If you're in the if you're in the if you're in the end of end of season race, you pick him up and hope that for two or three starts he does well. And then me personally, I'm flipping him. If if I if my trend, trend either back to the wire, yeah, or back or do you mean back to the wire as well? Because no, 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 I'm flipping him. I'm trying to get talent because I'm a little concerned with. I don't know what his innings limited. I'm not saying they're putting a limit on him, but the guy's never has not thrown this many innings in his career. Yeah, going, absolutely. You know, going forward, so there's going to come a point where he's probably going to break down a little bit, and that's just part of the development of a young pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be holding the bag with that. No, so I, if I'm I a smart owner. That. Take him for two starts, hope he does really well, and maybe get another really anxious owner and see if you can sell him really high. Because you know how people are with good pitching prospects. when they like, Especially after what happened with Fulmer this season, well, especially, people do not want to miss out on that pitching prospect. Especially if he popped a couple good ones, got people confident. Again, they've seen some success from some Colorado pitchers this year. Tyler Anderson's been really impressive. I mentioned John Gray. Um, you know, he's had a few dud starts that really tax the bottom line. But if you dig into John Gray's log this year, you'll really see that he has been pitching well m- way more often than not. Um, and then Tyler Chatwood, he's actually been road only. So that I would say Tyler Anderson and John Gray are the two guys that we've seen have some success at Colorado. Uh, Jeff Hoffman's every bit the prospect that those two were. They're both first-rounders. He's a first-rounder. He's actually a higher first-rounder than Anderson. He probably has more pedigree than Anderson um, with Gray being the top. We we, we could see something here. So, yeah, you take that gamble, and then you maybe try to flip it if you have a trade scenario. Otherwise, if you can afford to pick him up and kind of reserve him, I'm okay with that. But for me, when I pick up a guy, I just – I don't know. I take a shot. Like – yeah, you could play wait and see, but what are you really going to see 
the chance, you know, you might miss the good starts, right? They don't have a book on him. Maybe he has a couple good ones. Obviously, he can get crushed too. But I don't know that waiting a start or two on somebody like a Jeff Hoffman is going to give you enough to say, well, now I feel great about starting him or now I can't start him. Because even if he got bombed out in both of them, it wouldn't necessarily mean that he's completely worthless. And even if he dominated, doesn't mean that he wouldn't get bombed out in his third. So for me, if I'm picking him up, I'm using him. I'm not trying to get him in a 10-teamer where I'm just going to hold him. Yeah, I don't want to reserve him on my bench. Would you now, if you were given him or Jose Barrios, who are you taking? I think I've seen, you know, enough out of Barrios this year that I'm not Barrios. I'm sorry. Um, I, yeah, I don't. I don't mean. I don't usually mean to do it like it's actually this way. I just do it the way I do it, and if people pick up, and it, that's fine. So yeah, you. you can, I watch so many games on mute with music on. I'm going to mispronounce names. Like crazy Paul, when we really get down Paul, to it. You're, you're, so. you're replacing Eno right now. Like you're, you're, you're fine. Okay, okay. You're, you're the freaking. Uh, he's the Max Scherzer of of mispronunciations, meaning he's the the best at doing it. And right now, I mean, you are. You're Ian Kennedy at best compared to him. I'm sorry. You got work to do. Okay. So don't even worry about it. Plus, people are going to be calling him Barrios forever. We all thought that's what it was, and then it ended up being Barrios. But I've seen, you know, seven starts. They've been pretty bad consistently. Like a 932, that's not just one start really taxing. He's given up bombs left and right. For me, I just I just don't see a major turnaround this season for him. Maybe long term, I'm still going for him over Hoffman. I will say that. But right now, down this stretch run, I'm gonna take my chances on Hoffman, even in Colorado, because basically Barrios is pitching like he's in Colorado anyway. So what the hell's the difference? Great point. I think yeah, long term Barrios. I'm going Barrios long term, but this season, I, I'm not holding. I'm not. Banking on Brios fig- figuring yeah. it out, I'd rather take a yeah. risk on Hoffman. I think that was a great. Yeah, that makes a lot more. That makes a so lot we'll, sense. we'll go that route. Y'all's mileage may vary, but that that's just kind of how we're going with Jeff Hoffman. I'm eager to see if he can find some success, and he might end up being a replacement for somebody in the NL only league for John Lackey, who hit the DL shoulder, which is a bummer. But you know, I was talking with Todd Zola on our, on our Rotowire podcast. I'm a I'm a multi pod person here, and. You know, he mentioned that even if even if the lackey season was kind of over, and they're, they're doing that, so he was just kind of throwing out a hypothetical. Even if that was the case, you look at what you got from him, and you'd have to call it a W for what you paid because people still did not believe in John Lackey, and I'm chief among them. I thought that that ERA was going to regress. There was almost a, a run split between his ERA and FIP because the skills just did not support a 277. And so he has he has moved back. He's at 341 this year, uh, but the strikeouts are up. He's got a 104 whip. He's been better overall, even, even with the ERA drop. And so you'd be happy with 158 innings of this. I don't think it's necessarily going to be that that drastic, but uh, it's hard to be upset about what you got from Lackey, even though he's, he's now gone uh, with a shoulder injury. And what's, and what's really impressive with Epstein, Theo Epstein just in general, is when everyone was, was building, like including the Mets and the Giants are building young pitching staffs and they're, um, they're trying to find hitters on the free agent market, the – the Cubs continued to zig a different way and said, you know mm-hmm. what? We're going to develop young hitters, load up our lineup, and then we'll buy pitchers. We'll find pitchers. So, And what you're seeing now is that when you, the Cubs pitchers go down, it's not as detrimental. They could still recover from that. They'll be fine. Where when the Mets pitchers go down, 
it's really that detrimental and then they don't know what to do and they because of that hitting is not even if and they've been having health issues with their hitting I'm not saying the Mets haven't where the Cubs they just they're they're built really well for these type because you had to expect at some point that yeah. Lackey Wood he's old he's an older pitcher he's a 37 year old pitcher you know durability would end up being some sort of concern and they're going to be fine um now I'm a little concerned. How do you feel about the guy who's going to replace him now? Mike Montgomery is going to enter the I, starting staff, which I know they have uh, two prospects coming yeah. up to take over the bullpen for him and uh, yeah, because Rondon went on Rondon. the deal too. That's 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 two hits there. Obviously they they do have the depth to to overcome that, but those those are two solid hits to the Cubs. But Montgomery is a starter now. I'm and I'm I'm more worried that now he's taken out of that role as a lefty specialist, which. They kind of gave up a lot to me, a lot of talent. I know it was a spot like start, but I, I wonder if Trevor Cahill's kind of miffed that after you know giving him a great great outing in a in the doubleheader earlier this week that he doesn't get a go at that starting spot. But or maybe he's fine with it. Maybe he said, you know, I'll I'll do this uh, I'll do this relief or I'll do this uh, doubleheader appearance, but I don't really want to. Who knows? But he did pitch well. Mike Montgomery, you know, I I've gotten tricked a little bit whenever he he, he shows out. I'm like, ooh, that is. That is impressive, but it just doesn't seem to be able to hold up consistently for six-plus innings, so I do not love him as a starter. Would I be surprised if Chris Basio pulls, you know, f- figured out some, some levers to, to push and pull with regards to Montgomery to kind of get him to be more consistent? No, I certainly wouldn't, and so maybe that alone makes it a bit of an intriguing play. And in the NL only, you're not going to have many options. So I might do the whole, you know, replace Lackey with his actual replacement and take a shot on Montgomery just to see if I can spike something. But you've got to know that you're taking a big risk. Even with the Cubs alone, as a reliever, he has a, a 185 whip. And now his ERA isn't isn't there, and I'm sure that the uh, – 11.4 hits are probably some crazy babbit because it is eight and two thirds. But my point is, is that this guy can go sideways for you for a couple weeks and you could be in some trouble. So again, got to be careful, but I would look at Mike Montgomery as a, as a lackey replacement. And only I, I could take that shot. I talked myself into it. Oh, you talked yourself into it. His last two starts were with Seattle on July 10th and July 17th against Kansas city. He went six and a third Three strikeouts, no walks, um, five hits, one earned run, that being a home run. And then his next start, which was the 17th, was against Houston. Uh, one boom, three earned runs, four runs. But he had seven Ks to two walks like and seven hits over five innings. So no. kind of, you know, not a disaster. I, if you're the Cubs and he gives you five innings of four four runs and three of them Absolutely. earned. Absolutely. I'm buying they're, they're that taking that Cubs, in a second. You know, right Cah- Cahill was—they were probably hoping to get that out of him, and they got five innings of clean ball. And he didn't—he didn't give up a run. But even if he'd given up three or four, I think they're saying with their offense, they're very much open to taking that. So yeah, it's going to be a better real baseball move than anything fantasy-wise. But you know, and he had some good outings last year. Did Mike Montgomery? In fact, he got on a bit of a run where it really looked like he was turning it around. But it was pretty flukish once he kind of uh, jumped under the hood. Um, he had two complete games. There, yeah, two shutouts in a row. That really got him some attention. But when you again, when you really dug in, those were just spikes in performance. He he wasn't really a consistently reliable starter. And when he goes sideways for Mike Montgomery, it's about walks. So if you see him, you know, start giving up three, four walks at a clip, that's when you don't really want to be in 
with regards to uh, having him as a starter in any format. And I, I didn't note this, and we should have noted this with Hoffman, okay? So Hoffman's pitching Saturday in Colorado and put the pieces together now. Montgomery's Gross. pitching also in Colorado on Sunday. So that means Hoffman's first start is against the Cubs. So you're talking about one of the best offenses in baseball in Colorado. And then Montgomery, I'm staying away from a Sunday start in now, Colorado. One good thing, well, not good or just thing, something that can protect you from this is in a lot of leagues, you won't even be able to pick them up until Sunday night. So you'll get a chance to kind of see how badly they get bombed out. Maybe that'll depress the price. And in your NL onlys, you can maybe go Ooh. in and, and get them at maybe a, a buck or two cheaper because if they both get bombed out, you know that people are just not going to be as interested in them. Maybe not starkly going to change the price, but even if you save a few bucks. So do that in those leagues. You know, the leagues I'm in where we do Sunday moves, we're going to, we don't have to worry about those starts. But in your leagues where you can pick up guys right away, don't touch either of them this weekend. If you've got to pick them up and start them automatically, then don't, just don't pick them up. Don't start yet. Don't, there, there are no starts for us right now. But if you have reserve spots, as Paul was saying earlier, maybe depending on how deep your bench is and how deep your league is, yeah. you can justify maybe reserving them. We'll see if Montgomery is the guy going forward. Absolutely. We know Hoffman's going to get Paul, let's talk about the AL Cy Young race. It's, uh, it, it took a hit this, this evening when Michael Fulmer did not pitch all that well against the Red Sox. I mean, he battled. Mm-hmm. He gave up four in the first, ended up making it. I don't know if he got all the way through six. He was into the sixth, which that was kind of impressive in itself, the way he the way he started. But he gave up a couple more runs here, and my at-bat app is being really fun. Yeah, five and two-thirds, six runs, ten hits. Not a great start. There's no way to spin it as a good start. If he could have gotten it through that sixth, though, without giving those other two runs up, that would have been six and four, and that just looks a hell, hell of a lot better. But the thing of it is, even with this start, moves his two, ERA up to 258, which uh, is still going to lead the American League right now. Like that's that's kind of he he gave away all his lead though, um, all that lead that he had on Daniel Duffy, Daniel Duffy, Danny Duffy. I, I'm so formal with him, Daniel Duffy, <laughs> Daniel Duffy the third. Daniel uh, Duffy. Two seventy three ERA. So he's still going to have a little bit of a lead over him is Michael Fulmer, but uh, tough start for him. So you got Daniel Duffy, you got Aaron Sanchez. You got uh, Michael Fulmer, Corey Kluber. All this talk about Zach Britton, like, I got tons of love for Zach Britton, Paul. I think he's arguably the best reliever in baseball. I think you can legitimately make that argument because, um, you know, there's a lot of guys contending for that spot, but I think he's absolutely in it. But I don't think he's anywhere near the Cy Young because we have very viable options. The only way I'm giving a reliever the AL Cy Young or NL Cy Young is when there aren't obvious starters. I just named four, and there's probably a couple others. What do you think of the AL Cy Young race right now? Well, first of all, even relievers, if I'm giving an AL Cy Young, and I guess and maybe I'm looking well, yeah, at more too much. Maybe I'm analyzing more too much. But Kansas has the most war in um, out of your relievers in the AL Cy Young award. But I get why Britain's up there. The ERA is disgusting. I mean, you're talking a half point, you know, 0.54. Last I got it updated. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. But we're overweighting saves. And I, so I think I, before I jump into the full AL Cy Young, I do think oh, there's a absolutely. place for absolutely. relievers in the Hall of Fame. I really do. 
But in the Cy Young race, you got to be it got to be something where, as you said, there's no viable starter. That's I don't know. Maybe you got. I was just gonna hit you. you gotta, I was you just gonna hit you with a hypothetical. For me to even consider you because it's purely hypothetical because his innings are actually going downward. But like Batances throwing like 112 innings of what he normally does or what he did over the last two years when he had a 140 and 150 ERA. So if he's at 145 ERA and .89 WHIP. With 13.8 strikeouts, those are his numbers over the last two years combined before this year um, in 110 innings. Actually, I don't know why I didn't add this year in two. Let's just do that. 163, .92, 14.3 strikeouts. Let's say he does that for 110 innings in a season. Would that be enough for you to, for you to consider him over starters, you know, throwing – very good baseball for 180, 190, 200 innings. Yes, but it'd have to be – very good would have to be the ceiling. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't have excellence. Yeah, there. nothing like, if like there's the an NL excellent starter, year with, with Ariana Grinky and Kershaw. Like anybody like that, they're crushing him. I mean probably – so here's the thing. Daniel D- – Daniel. I keep calling him Daniel – Danny Duffy is half reliever, half starter right now. Obviously, by the end of the season, he'll have started more than he relieved. But his innings are going to be stifled a little bit. How much do you think that that's going to, that's going to hurt him in this race if he's going up against an Aaron Sanchez who pushes all the way to the finish line with a buck 90 or something? Or even like a Jose Quintana, who I didn't even mention, who actually com- compares very favorably to Aaron Sanchez. I should have included him for sure. That's why. Like. If you're going to say Sanchez, there's no way you can't say Quintana. They're basically identical, except that Quintana's better a bit. Yeah, in the their win difference, the, especially the, the record nine and nine versus twelve and two. I mean, yeah, Quintana's kind of the guy I'm I'm shooting. For, I think deserves it at this point, just because I'm looking at WAR and I'm looking at ERA, which shows me that he's pitched a significant amount. And he also has a, a good ERA. I really try to look away from win losses from what I want from a pitcher because I think they're so independent. But now, if I'm saying who's actually going to win it, that's going to be the thing that hurts Duffy is I don't know if he's going to have the same amount of win total as someone like Sale. Chris Sale, to me, is kind of a guy because he has the 14 wins. He has a, good, a strong enough ERA in the AL. I think he could kind of – You're right. He'll be a popular pick with the strikeouts and just – that, that whole aura around him, like, well, who do you want in your game seven pitching? I mean, well, he's got, I want, you know, I want Chris. He certainly got the hype for so sure. People um, use and that the strikeouts argument. have ticked back up. They were down below eight at, at one point this year. They're back up to eight point eight. So that'll that'll certainly help. He's, he's three strikeouts away from having one one per inning. Um, yeah, go for it. Go for it. There's another guy I want to throw out there too, though. Jay Happ. Who did mention? His is not Hap. just win loss record either. You know, when you're looking at what he's done this year, he's got some really good skills. Now, we, there's this thing, uh, RA9 war, run, runs allowed per nine war. He's actually fourth in the AL behind Quintana, Aaron Sanchez, and a guy we haven't mentioned who's in the midst of a no-hitter right now. Actually, I think it was just broken up in the bottom of the sixth. Five and two-thirds, Cole Hamels had a no-hitter. It was broken up in Tampa Bay, but he still has a 5-0 lead. He's cruising. Uh, in Tampa Bay, he's third, and then half fourth. That's that's RA nine WAR. That's based just on your runs allowed, uh, specifically. So you know he's done some he's done some really good things. I know the gaudy win loss record is what's earning him attention. But when you 
go under the hood, there's still a lot to like with Hap. Yeah, and, and I would be concerned if he had like exactly. a 3-5 ERA, but he's still a sub-3 ERA in the American League. In Toronto. In the AL East when you're dealing with teams like the Orioles. Um, in Toronto, you're dealing Red with Sox, the Orioles. Yep. You're dealing with um, Boston. I mean, we, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You, got, you still have to go to Yankee, Yankee Stadium, Stadium which, which is tough as well. No, he definitely deserves love. And for me, I've always said, like, I don't look at the win-loss record, but I will use it as a tiebreaker. I don't know if that's stupid or not, but, like, if – you know, comparing him to his own teammate, Aaron mm-hmm. Sanchez. Sanchez has the ERA advantage. Uh, Hap has the whip advantage. Sanchez actually has a couple more innings than him right now. They're dead tied pretty much in hits per nine, uh, walks per nine, and then about a half strikeout more for Hap. Everything's pretty equal between those two. I look at 17 and three versus 12 and two. I don't know. I, I will give the wins a little bit extra juice. I Maybe it is dumb, but I use that as a tiebreaker at most. I generally don't care. I will. I would vote somebody who was nine and nine with like a two seventy ERA, a strikeout per inning for two hundred and ten innings. I would absolutely vote them for Cy Young because I don't care about the win loss record. Generally speaking. So, are you now someone like Hap? Are you are you less likely to have him on your team than someone like Aaron Sanchez? Or is Aaron Sanchez that much more See, of well, a this valuable year, asset I mean, on your fantasy team those than Those wins actually matter a lot more in fantasy for you know for us because it's five wins. That's 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 major change. You're talking about going forward next year, I will still lean toward Aaron Sanchez. For me, you know, Hap's gonna be thirty four next year. I'll definitely give him more consideration because this will be a full year plus the the half year with Pittsburgh last year that we've really seen him be a, a, a consistently effective starter. But, yeah, I mean, I'm still going to go for everybody else we've talked about over him, every other guy we've talked about in this discussion. And, yeah, and, and something we've talked about also that I think was really debated last year in the NL Cy Young was this idea of, well, his FIP was better. And, yeah, I'm scared of half with his FIP because even though he has yeah. a 296 ERA, he has a 375 FIP, his ex-FIP is 401. He has over 81% left on base. Those are things that are going to trend in a bad direction at some point. It might not be for another half a season. It might not be another year, another year and a half. I just know it's going to come down to it at some point. But for Cy Young, what I don't happened? care exactly. about the future. We're in lockstep. We are, we are in lockstep what on exactly that. What exactly happened? We're talking about you know the season that just happened. The, quoting Fit for an award – We've always talked about FIP's value is predictive. And so I just don't know why people actually really get into that. I I understand why they get into that, but if you're hinging your complete argument on it, if you want to use it to point out, okay, he's getting a little bit of favorable luck and, and he's just got this big split in in his FIP and ERA and, you know, so maybe he wasn't pitching quite as well. I, I'm not saying there's no value in it, but I know a lot of folks out there I engage with them on Twitter who use it as th- that's basically their Cy Young meter. They they sort by FIP and they say, okay, here's 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 my picks. I can't get behind that at all. I think that that's ridiculous. I think you got to dig in and see everything else. And you know, maybe maybe guy does run a little bit lucky for for the season and ends up with a sparkling ERA because of it. But you know what? I, I'm I'm fine rewarding that. Plus, it's it's a, it's an award. It's I, I know they matter for like Hall of Fame and stuff. It's it's just not the end of the world to me, though, either. Spoiler alert. And you know who... Here's what's really scary about life, Paul. This is what's going to make 
and you probably know this already, and a lot of our fans probably already know this. You know who leads all of baseball this year? pitchers in war? It better be Kershaw. This year? Clayton Kershaw still leads everyone despite pitching 40 innings less than... And that goes to our to point about Adele Batances. That, that's kind of the perfect case, right? It's 121 innings, which we'd love to see Batances actually throw over a full season. And he would be putting up numbers like this, mm-hmm. actually even better, 10.8 Ks for, for Kershaw. Batances would be higher than that. The walks certainly wouldn't be as good, though, 0.7 for uh, Kershaw. Batances would be up higher. But the you know 179 ERA, sparkling whip, this is what we'd be talking about. That's what a, that's what a dream Batances season would look like, a, a Batances season that should happen. That would be the best deployment of him. Um, and then it would be Cy Young eligible, I think, or, or viable. Is that too much to ask? If Batantis, if we made him a starter, you stretch him out. And we're going hypotheticals here. You stretch him out to a starter. Would his K oh, rate easily. still be around? He would still get strikeouts. Well, nine, yeah, but it would, it, you know, because look, easily. we've seen guys that can have those strikeout rates and, and they're, they're not good. Right, because it, it doesn't automatically, and, and that would still be such a sharp drop from where he was. I mean, look at what Liriano did has done this year. Uh, he's got a 5.46 ERA. He's really struggled, but he still has 8.9 Ks. Like he's still getting his strikeouts. So a lot of the outs, if Batances struggled as a starter, and I think he probably would because he did struggle as a starter coming up. That's why he went to relief. Relieving, I think we always forget just how much easier it is. Wade Davis was a terrible starter, um, and and now he's a, an amazing reliever. Batanzas would not be a successful starter, but he would still get K's. He would still get swings and misses for the outs that he did accumulate. They would just he would not accumulate outs at nearly the same clip. Um, so yeah, I think he'd still have about a strikeout per inning. But I'm talking about two to three inning, you know, um, stints a couple times a week. I just I don't know. I feel like that that's better than even the one inning. What do you, what, do you, what does he pitch three or four times a week? Go to two or three and just more impact. Yeah, and now they they really are Cleveland's using, kind of using like Miller most like sabermetric friendly way possible. The most fantasy awful way possible, though. It's, I'm sure it's driving folks nuts. I have him in a oh, league yeah. where he use points, and yeah. it's not as bad because he's going to hawk some wins. You know, this, we don't get holds points, which sucks. But we get points for wins that are exponentially more than those saves. So I hope to save last a win last night. So, and they're harder to predict. I guess the, you know though at the same time oh, it's harder yeah, to predict wins from a closer than it is saves. But from a guy um, who's consistently getting. I mean, you yeah, know, they're just putting them out there when when they need it. Especially the the reemergence of Cody Allen has really helped them. You know, feel confident enough that they don't have to just. Treat mm-hmm. Andrew Miller as as a you know the run of the mill closer type. Okay, you'll, you'll you'll have the ninth or you'll have the eighth. No, what we're gonna fireman you because you're always he's always been vocal about being open to doing whatever. He really believe it too. You know sometimes you see a guy say something that's kind of team player and you're like you don't really buy that. That what, whatever's happening to you is is making you angry. When I see Andrew Miller say it, I fully buy it. So he's either got me fooled or he actually does not care. And the performance suggests that he just literally does not care. He'll go out and pitch whenever he has to. Andrew Miller's a beast. He should also be getting these, you know, 110 inning seasons that we're talking about. That would be awesome. Paul, I, I'm not surprised. And he's second I'm in our war for relievers, he's, he's by the way. Absolutely also. awesome. I got a question for you about these AL starters, though. 
there's three super young guys that are really emerging, hopefully to be mm-hmm. successful for the next several years. Danny Duffy, Michael Fulmer, Aaron Sanchez. Duffy, not quite as young. I don't want to – he's not completely lumped in with them, but he's this kind of fresh being a stud starter, and he is still, I think, just 27. So he's certainly not old either. But Fulmer – oh, yeah, he's – uh, yeah, he's over Madden the hill for you in Madden years. years. That's, that's not even a question. Point. Paul's not keeping him around to see the light of yeah. day for the rest of this season, let alone beyond the next. Uh, Fulmer's 23, Sanchez's 23. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're a bit younger. But either way, instead of focusing on youth, we'll focus on the fact that they're less established. Which of these three less established starters are you targeting most next year? Or are you targeting any of them because they've all had inning spikes? So it's a viable answer if you want to say none. But I'm curious who you're looking at out of this trio. Let me, let me restate them, by the way. Danny Duffy, Michael Fulmer, Aaron Sanchez, I, for those who forgot who the trio was. Yeah. That's a really – I guess since I'm such a K guy, I'm really into get guys with the high Ks. Definitely Danny Duffy is someone I'm – very interested in next Shut up. year. You're stupid. Fulmer, You're I think, is going to regress a little bit. What? Kind of showed a little regression tonight. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a really yeah, dumb right. trade by Dombrowski to trade away yeah, Sussman right. Fulmer. We all know the Mets are smarter than them. Okay. And it's going to all work out in our favor Hey, it somehow. worked out in your favor last year. You guys couldn't, couldn't bring home the title. <laughs> no. Believe me, I, I've been there as a Tigers fan. Oh, sorry. Man. Are you really sorry. just going to stick it right sorry. in the pee hole, dude? I got like, it. Right I got to do it. Listen, my, t- oh, my, my family team's done it twice. That's brutal. They sweep in the ALCS. I couldn't be happier, and then and then it doesn't come to fruition. So I, I, I've been there, dude. And we sh- our two teams should have faced in 2006. Stupid Carlos Beltran. Swing at the pitch, dude. That was – and it's and let's let's clarify for everyone that is concerned about this because I know we have a lot of listeners concerned about Carlos Beltran in two thousand six. It wasn't the third strike; it was the second strike that he should have swung at. It's the third one was the frozen. one of the most beautiful curveballs I've ever seen. Dude. Frozen. It was that second one that was the hanger that he should have gone after. That just would I, have I been say to this day, and that that's the one that makes year, me cry. Why I don't sleep anymore? You know, doing well. God, how crazy. We probably would have done something stupid like go to it and, and waste all our money. Like Steve, We probably could have gotten Steve to drunkenly pay for <laughs> like, us to all ben, go because you know he'd, he'd, have been, he'd have been crazy. He'd have taken all of us, Casey, Jiggy. It would, have been, it would have been nuts. But thanks for that, Carlos Beltran. You, you saved Steve from bankruptcy. And it also kind of the obliterates Chavez one of the, play, the best plays I've ever seen yep. in my life. Were the you Chavez with play. us the it night we saw that naught. game? Or were you, were you, do you remember where you were watching that game? Because we were – I was in a bar watching that game, I remember. Um, with Steve. I was with Steve. I was at home. And he I was went at home. ham. Nor, okay. I think I was in my apartment on Riverside at that point. And I think I just got – I don't even know if I was that viscerally angry. I think sense. I was just like kind of in shock that that just happened. Because that was kind of a game that you knew the that Mets, the bananas, Mets were the favorite. Dude. There was a lot of hype into it. The Cardinals weren't even a blip on a lot of people's Eight, radar. 86 they wins. Were a, like they were a low, garbage a low team, key, man. Wild card team. And I'm, I'm, I'm very salty. Yes, Cardinals fans. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling you a garbage team that you won the World Series. You beat my favorite team. Basically a five-game sweep, which I, I know doesn't make sense. But like. Tigers were never really in that series. They were chucking the ball all over the place. Nerves seemed to be getting to them. They just – it was not great. But that was a garbage Cardinals team, man. 
God. Okay, I've made us both sufficiently angry. Yeah. Um, Kluber. Is he getting enough due? Because I kind of look at Corey Kluber, and I, I will admit, this came up through the prism of MLB The Show, which everyone who listens knows I'm obsessed with. Love that game. But I kind of like was looking at him, and, and they have these ratings for, for the cards. They're based on real life. So it's almost like things that, that happen in fantasy baseball I can parlay into the game in terms of uh, stocks rising and falling. But he's, he's a gold card, which is the second level. There's a, a diamond level for the best guys. Guy, and I look at him, Kluber, in comparison to like DeGrom and even Steven Strasburg, who I love. And they're both diamond-level pitchers. And by the way, it's based off of the last three years with, with heavy emphasis on this year. But they use 2014-2015 stats to kind of generate the cards. I'm wondering, how is Kluber not at that elite level? We don't have to talk about it in the context of the video game. But does he get enough due as a stud? Or because he had the perceived fall-off last year, based on win-loss record, by the way, does he not get enough love for being a, a, a Flat out ace stud. I think, you know, like, I don't know if he has the notable starts. And what I mean by that is, does, and, and I could be, uh, I could be speaking out of my, my rear on this and not totally right on it, but he just has a lot of really very good and very great starts, but he doesn't we have did. those elite starts that stand out in our mind. Like Strasburg has those yeah. starts where sometimes he'll have like 14 Ks over eight innings and no runs, you know, that stands out to you. DeGrom, Why not? I don't want to talk about what he did last night, but in, <laughs> typically, he, oh my gosh. When, when, you, when, when you're Justin Ruggiano anyway, gets a grand DeGrom has those shutout stars. And off of, of Bumgarner. Dude, that's, that's tough. No, I... And then you give up from five from Bumgarner, yeah. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? A two-run jack, a two-run home. Exactly. It's crazy, dude. Like, this is when you know it's not your season. And yeah. I, that, yesterday was yeah. my acceptance. Now, okay, so it's not I, our year, on the point that you're making, it. though. I'm fine with it. I'll agree more this year, but I think over the last two years, Kluber's absolutely had those games. Remember, he had the 18 strikeouts, one hitter against St. Louis. Um, he's had a couple no-hit bids that have gone deep. So many uh, double-digit strikeout games. Again, this year, they've been a little bit more absent. But I think over the last couple of years, they, they, they've they been there for Kluber. And you're, you're definitely right. Your assessment this year has been a lot more of, okay, seven and, and two earned, six scoreless. You know, just like a bunch of solid starts. Not as, a, a couple of clunkers this year. But um, for the most part, he's just been really good. Although I am looking at it, Paul. We got two shutouts for Kluber this year. Another where he went the complete game but gave up two runs. Does only has one double digit strikeout game though. So maybe that's what's keeping. Plus he's the Klubot which, you know, they talk about how he's a robot not because of how the the precision with which he dominates but also because he's kind of boring. And and DeGrom and has that, the that, hair and has the height. So there's something there and I and it was funny today on my article I was writing about Will Myers, and I mentioned a bunch, a string of hitters who I don't think are sexy. Um, and someone was like, "How do you say they're not You're sexy?" About I think looks. they misunderstood that. When we say someone's sexy, we're talking about like yes. we're talking about how attractive Will, they are. Will Myers, mad not sexy. necessarily how they play the sport. No, no, no. But I'm, 
Yeah, no, what I really mean by that Flash, though is I'm yeah, looking at hype, like top tier, really. top round, first round type of guys. Yeah. Hype. It, it's all yeah, about because hype. we talk about Sexiness those comps that we've been doing, where you've been, you know, the, the last episode. And that kind of shows you like why sexiness is just flash because okay, you know, well for this year with McCutcheon like it wasn't it wasn't hype it was because he had it you know he deserved it but you know you'll get some of these guys where it's like what's the hype on this guy when I can just get you know for me for a while it was Mark Trumbo I'm like what's the hype with drafting him now he's actually kind of gone the other way he's the guy on the other end who isn't sexy enough but now he's building his his sex appeal back up and it, that's the thing too it, it is it does kind of go in waves for guys too some guys can be spiked up where they're just hyped and they're being overdrafted and then they'll fall off and then they become underdrafted so yeah, because on that list of Will Myers, the only guy who I thought I would consider really like a sexy hype yeah, guy. those are the two I was going to say Ozuna as well. Ozuna and George Springer. Yeah, I wouldn't say Justin he Turner, even though he's love. a, like for a the, great, no one excellent will fantasy give him asset. Love, even what he's done the last three years now. He just has three years of being a really good hitter. By the way, wasn't he on the Mets? I'm, I'm being yeah. really mean, man. This is like, you know what? This is going to be the podcast that gets me not to like talk sports. Like you're going to see me like never talk sports up to anyone. And then hits him with a Justin like Turner. <laughs> uh, no, see, I was. I was oh, we're going to talk about nice. Murphy. You want to go in depth there. about just, Murphy just, now? Just stop. Stop killing you. Um, but yeah, the, 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 I think that maybe that's what's actually hurting Kluber <laughs> a little bit is some of that artificial uh, love that comes from just being hyped up. But uh, Carson and I are doing our best. Carson's a stooly man. He was on this guy when he was in the minors on the fringe five. Yeah. Yeah. He was a fringe five. He was a fringe. Fan, so, That's right. He was a fringe um, five. Yeah. I actually came to Kluber independently of the fringe. I hadn't known of the fringe five yet. So I, I asked Carson if I could at least be in the, the uh, fan club. Cause I'm not, I don't get to be president, but he did let me in. So I'm treasurer, but I spent all the money. Got, no, I spent all the money. I did mm-hmm. very bad job. Um, Nice. So Paul, we're gonna close giving you guys giving you oh, guys a little uh, a gamble starter guy that's available in a lot of mix. This is mixed league gamble, obviously in their AL onlys. Uh, they're both AL guys. Uh, they're very much on, on a roster and they're not really going anywhere. But in your mixed leagues, your ten and your twelves, there's a chance that these guys are out there and you want to take your shot on them because it could be great down the stretch. Doesn't mean it's going to, but we're looking for a lottery ticket shot at greatness. We want the guy who could maybe put up seven starts of a two ERA with a strikeout per inning and carry us home where we say, man, I was going ham on this league. My, my stars kicked in. And then for me, Kevin Gaussman dropped a two ERA with, you know, 40 strikeouts in, in 38 innings and really helped me out. So that's my pick. It's Kevin Gaussman. Guy I've been a huge fan of, actually ended up being on the other side of, of him this year in a debate over he and Julio Tehran with, uh, with Chris Liss over at Rotowire. But that was more because I loved Tehran as opposed to disliking, God, the Tigers are just getting smashed by the Red Sox. Smashed. He, he just, he just on, raked I got base uh, loaded Hanley. Double for sure, maybe crazy. a trip. No, it was double. Two more runs. And yeah, Benintendi and Hanley, every time I look up, one of them is up getting a hit. It's it's ridiculous. Mark Lowe. Mark Lowe's the worst. Oh, uh, there anyway, it is. So yep. Kevin Gaussman uh, has one clunker since the All-Star break, a, a six Ernie against uh, at Toronto, which is really no sweat. I mean, 
if, if, if you're going to take a gamble on a guy like this, it doesn't mean you're starting him every start. So that would be a start you could easily avoid. You're not going to, you're not taking mid-level guys into Toronto. So it counts. We'll count it in these baseline numbers here, but really if you're managing your fantasy team properly, you never should have had him in there, but he does have a 402 ERA in uh, 40 and a third innings with 47 strikeouts. And that's what really jumps out to me is that his strikeouts have finally turned up. He's always had raw stuff, but I've, I've seen Kevin Gaussman have struggles turning it into greatness. And, you know, we, I'm not sure how great it's going to be. This is definitely a gamble guy, but you look, we got earned runs of two, zero, six, two, 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 and four since the all-star break. So that bad start, and that four, and that four last night should have been less. They tried I to extend the Baltimore tried to agree. extend him a little past where he possibly should have gone. He had the quality start after six, and, and they Paul, left him in for the seventh the inning. Thing the thing of it is, it's that next, tough um, thing. Couple of runs, and you know, Buck Showalter I think is a tremendous manager. So he just took a bad one here because I don't even know that he was necessarily wrong. It, Paul, how hard is it when you've got a guy who's pitched very well, given up? three runs, two of them earned in six innings. That's what it was on 87 pitches. I think, it, it, you know what it is though? He needs to consider, he, not my team, and I'm glad he did this because I'm paying <laughs> He needs to consider people's fantasy teams in these quality start leagues. Once they get a quality start, you got to pull them. You can't risk these teams and leave him in the, just the because, oh, coach. he only has 60 pitches over six the innings. Bench coach no, he has over. a quality like, start. Uh, hey, you buck, pull him. Buck. You get him out of Don't there. get the quality He's start done. aspect for the, uh, the fantasy guys, okay? I'm sure Buck would be like, cool, no problem. I'll take him out. <laughs> I hope everyone knows <laughs> yeah. we're kidding. You know what? You make but, a good uh, point. You know, I, I should definitely do I, that. That's where I struggle, though, yeah. because I want to say, yeah, they probably left him in too long, obviously, because with hindsight, we know it was too long. But at 87, I don't know. We just get hung up on the numbers. I feel like 87, I wouldn't have been mad if he got pulled after 87, but he, he, he consistently goes more than that. So maybe it's a situation where you also have to manage the player, and he would probably be livid if he was pitching that well and gets pulled after 87 pitches, like where's, I just don't think you can't can. pull him after. So, I'm totally kidding. You, you cannot know, pull then, him. After then there's a debate of like, when do you pull him within the seventh inning when he's throwing 25 more pitches and giving up two runs on two hits and a walk. So it's just, I think it's just a tough one that you got to wear. Honestly, I think they had a lead throughout. Those seven innings, so I don't think it was really that. That's another factor that obviously we don't care in fantasy. But for for Buck, he says, I can try to get this extra inning here. Yeah, he might give up a couple, but we're not worried about that. We're trying to get a W, and we're trying to save the bullpen a little bit. So I think it's just one of those. Yeah, it, they had twelve runs. There was so no they way weren't even close that to getting you're gonna, caught. Um, not put Gaussman back out there at 87 pitches with a big lead like that. So I completely get it. It's a bummer. Um, I don't even really consider that a bad start. He pitched very well for most of it. The bad one was at Toronto. That's three mm-hmm. innings, six runs. You, you, you wipe that off. I think we've seen a lot better out of um, out of Gaussman this year. He does have two six earned run, three, three innings, six earned run outings. And you really could have avoided both if you're in a league where you can kind of put pitchers in and out they were at boston at toronto it doesn't take hindsight to say that you don't start them at those and so let's just 
you know, just for fun, let's let's lift those out. So that uh, that takes them down to 46 earned runs in 121 innings, and all of a sudden that's a 3.42 ERA, um, and that's pretty good. He's at 4.11 right now as it is. Again, you could even easily manage your way out of those starts. I think if you're just careful with Gaussman, don't start him in those two venues again because in September it's going to be pretty much all divisional play. So don't start him there. Start start him everywhere else. And I think you can get a nice run out of Gaussman. Who's your guy? Love him. Sean Manaya. And if you look at his last start, he also got caught in a situation. He pitched six innings. They left him in for the seventh a little too long. Lost a quality start. But you're looking at a guy with um, seven and a half strikeouts per nine, two two and a quarter walks per nine. The ERA four seven three, nothing really good, you know, nothing great about that. The FIP same thing four four five. You're not going crazy about that. What I like about Manaya is if you look at his game log, with the exception, I think it was um, June thirteenth, where he only pitched four and a third, and then he had a real early start where he pitched two and two thirds. I think yeah. the four and a third was his second lowest start, like lengthwise. Yeah, because he, um, he got hurt. He was nipped. He, he made another hurt. start. Uh, no, no, that was that. You're right. That was the one right before the DL. He was gone 15 days. Came back um, on on June 29th. So yeah, th- there's a, a built-in reason there. And honestly, Paul, if you look at Manaya since getting pummeled by Boston at Boston, eight runs in two and two thirds. He's got a 387 ERA over 97 and two-thirds innings. That's not bad. One other real clunker in there was at Minnesota, six earned in five innings. And oh. that's a re- I would have of made that start any day yep. of the week. Like, why don't you start him against – sometimes it just happens. It's probabilities, you know? gonna, right? It's not you, – just because he's facing a bad team, time, but... you're still going to lose out sometimes even in a good situation. You, you're right, though. This Texas start, this is one where people will go through the game log and they'll say, oh, five runs in six innings, that was a bad start. I watched some of that start. It was not bad. He was pitching very well, and he just got caught in one and ended up giving up those two runs in the seventh like like that. Like, it was quick. Since May 21st, he's had at least four Ks per, per start. He's pitched about five innings per start, except for that mm-hmm. one where he, you know, he got where we knew he was injured, but he's had at least five innings in there. And, you know, he's pitching, you know, he's had a few quality starts in there. The strikeout numbers are not overwhelming like a Gaussman, he, but they're still good. They're still really solid. He came into the season under minor league analysts as an 8B, which means he's not a perennial all-star, but he's a very good player, and the odds of him getting there yeah, they felt confident in better him. than a 9D, so to speak, better than a Hoffman. Yeah, so he's a guy that you can expect to do, be a very solid pitcher. I think when he really turns that corner and he really figures it out all the way – that this is not just a guy who's going to help you this year, but definitely down the road, this is a nice guy to have. Only 24 years old. Um, I, I like I like him a lot as a as a flyer. I completely agree. Shaman really is very nice intriguing down arm the road. and long term, especially pitching out in Oakland. Well, obviously until he gets good, and then they'll trade him. But um, up to that point, I'm very excited about Sean Mania. So those are two guys. Sorry, they're both AL. Sorry for you NL only folks. We did talk Jeff Hoffman though, so we we, we got you covered there. Uh, Paul, that's going to wrap it up. I actually think everything recorded properly, and is actually going to work kind of first try here. So that's going to be exciting for us. But I won't really know. So. So I'll yes. see you during the yes. fourth Saturday after our all nighter Saturday morning try when we just get in my, a, a room at my apartment and <laughs> speak into my phone that we recorded on. That, 
we'll, 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 we'll link up for that. <laughs> All right, Paul. We'll figure out when you're going to get on again here soon. Uh, Sounds great. I think we're trying to angle to get a regular day where you and I go, maybe like a Tuesday or something like that. So stay tuned for that, folks. I know that the audio quality has been up and down. We've been really trying to get it figured out. Just bear with us. Hopefully the content's good enough to kind of overcome some of the audio issues. I think this one's going to end up sounding the best of ours. And then uh, I'm back with Jason on Sunday and then Eno on Wednesday. Paul, take care. <laughs>